Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm I'm heartbroken. So that's it, lads. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has confirmed this morning that um, outdoor gatherings more than 500 are not permitted. Um, and the GA is expected to deliver a statement today. Tom Ryan did deliver that statement, but he kind of pushed the, pushed the boat on a little bit to this afternoon, said he's going to meet with the government. I don't know what they have to meet about because they've been very clear about gatherings more than 500 not being permitted. Schools have been cancelled. Creches have been cancelled. We had Ger Brennan on the football show saying the universities are obviously cancelled. He's, he's off work as of now. Brian Carroll, you've got your feet up there. You have a pina colada in your hand and you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're taking it easy. You're off, you're off work now for two weeks, at least 17 days. Yeah, we're scrambling now to put plans in place for the kids over the next couple of weeks. But um, look, it's it's a big worry, I suppose, for the Leaving Cert kids more than anybody. Um, wondering will the Leaving Certs go ahead or anything. But look, um, it, they'll definitely go ahead, all right. But how much actual school or contact time that's going to happen over the next number of weeks, it's very hard to see, it, being honest. Well, that's the thing I was thinking, like, I mean, two weeks. What's two weeks going to do? Because the incubation period is two weeks. So in two weeks' time... You know, like cases will have either exploded or they'll have receded, but there will still be cases. So reopening the schools in two weeks, to me, is completely illogical anyway. So we could be looking at a more extended kind of break. Yeah, I don't see that happening, being honest. Like on the official holidays, there's only one week of term left in in two weeks' time until uh, two-week Easter break. So I can envisage that it'll be close for at least five weeks, being honest, uh, until after the official Easter break. And they'll they'll obviously have a much better idea in in five weeks' times whether they'll be able to open then or not. Yeah, Jesus, it's hard to know, isn't it, Cheddar? Um, yeah, and it's, it's a bit disappointing, Molly, to be honest with you, because it's not as if there hasn't been precedents around the world and this, yeah. you know, we, we, we all know this, we don't need to go over this in terms of, of, but look, this has been going on in China for a while, um, in Italy for a while, and I do agree with Brian, um, I don't see schools being back before the summer break, Brian, to be honest with you, if we look at mm. the other countries and, and where they are and the length of time it has taken to contain this. And I suppose it's not just containment now, we're in aggressive measures now to actually curb it. Um, and, you know, it's only in the last couple of days 
And I know there, I know they're not, you cannot compare like with like here in terms of where it was in Wuhan in China. And, we, and in fairness, we don't know enough about it to be able to comment on it. But if we just look at it at a very, very high level, um, it's only in the last couple of weeks that numbers start to recede. That's been there since December. That's what, three months ago. Um, so I can't yeah. see it happening and, and, and um, I have a huge amount of sympathy um, for leaving certain and, and exam students and that, you know, it, it is a pressure time for them and, you know, it is the gateway to to their working life and all of those things and um, I think we should all sort of look out for them and do the best we can for them and Brian, I'd be interested in actually, um, you know, I know the teaching practice and process and all of that has moved on an awful lot now to online teaching and all of that and is that an option in schools and I don't want to, dump, want to go on a, on a on a separate adjunct here on the on the on the uh, show, but I wonder is that an option in schools? It is an option, but it's a lot more difficult to actually carry out on the ground um, because there, there isn't a huge amount of investment in ICT um, and obviously ICT in, in people's individual homes. So it's not it's not really the done thing at second level. It is an awful lot more accessible in third level. So you can see why the likes of Trinity and the other universities now ha- are moving towards an online platform and being able to deliver. Um, their lectures through Skype or whatever other medium they're able to. But in second level, it, that, that access just isn't there at the moment and the investment hasn't been there. And it's, I suppose it's it's something that hasn't really been tapped into. While there's a, an awful lot more done in terms of providing notes um, on online, many different platforms there, um, the actual delivery of lessons hasn't really been uh, widely used at second level. So it is, it is a big issue. And even, you know, the department are slow on actually bringing out um, guidelines in that perspective as well. The, the current directive is actually just to prepare work for the next two weeks. And a lot of that on a very, very, I suppose, macro level is just to be able to buy time and see where they're at over the next couple of weeks and try and figure out what, what the long-term plan is from that perspective. Yeah, it seems to be a buying time kind of measure. Um, definitely. From a GA point of view, uh, the Dublin County Board have cancelled all all uh, club fixtures Antrim as well who else was it Brian um, Mead Mead have, it, Mead have too look these <coughs> lads the big question here is there will be no supporters at games this weekend I think that's very very obvious the government have said it Cheddar it's whether these games go ahead behind closed doors or not is probably the question and are we looking at the welfare of players by asking them to play or is it high risk you'd be looking at two squads of 30 um, you'd be looking at, you know, a lot of them not intermingling, only the players on the field kind of, you know, coming across each other yeah. and not all 30 coming across each other. Is it a player welfare issue to ask them to play or would it be OK to go behind closed doors for another couple of weeks and, and run off the league? Well, I, I think, Uli, the first, my answer to that is don't answer it because I'm not qualified to answer right. it. There's a huge amount of issues here. Um, clearly we've moved away now from, from containment measures into aggressive measures uh, which is not dissimilar to where maybe Italy is so we're really only just going on uh, people on the outside comic on, commenting on this I think there's been a huge amount of people commenting on social media um, that are very unhelpful here so so I'm not going to, going to give a huge amount of comment on this but I'll, I'll just say this of what I know um, Look, there's a lot of issues here. Um, you know, even in terms of jerseys, uh, water bottles, there, ha- there has been um, um, advice given down by the GA yesterday about the use of water bottles. and Bring your own one, yeah. Bring your own and different things like that. But look, there's a whole lot of other issues here as well. Um, I was speaking to somebody yesterday um, who were at a training session and a player took, took off his, his, his top and... Uh, 
and um, wiped his nose and then handed over to somebody. He didn't think what they were doing. Um, you know, totally innocent here. But there's a huge amount of issues here that just hasn't, they just haven't been looked at. And, and you know, what are the issues? And, you know, this is much bigger, Woolly, than player welfare. Um, we've all friends that are in this critical 6%. Um, and we've all aged, you know, I'm past this now, but an awful lot of GA players have aged parents. Um, so you may be all right yeah. and you may go away and play and you may go and train, but what are you bringing home? And they're the cr- critical people. And I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked, to be honest with you, Woolly, that Tom Ryan's going to speak to the government because I'm going to be very, very straight here. The government have flip-flopped around this already and we're going to go to them to look for advice. Why can't the GA take the lead in this and, and stand up on their own two feet and say, we're a community organisation here and we're going to help out our own community and we're going to look at what we can do. But this is a, this is a threat to, to Irish people and to the people that are around us. What can we, as an organisation that prides itself in being a community organisation, do for the area that's around us here, rather than running to a, to a government and looking for advice on this? And, you know, I'll, I'll copper fasten that, Willie. We spoke last week here about the medical people that we trust within our organisation. Let's trust those people as well and, and, and give the advice to us and let us all, you know, put the shoulder to the wheel here and sort this out on behalf of our society. Yeah, I completely agree. And I do think that people individually need to accept responsibility as well so people listening to this if you're planning on going slobbering around Dublin around packed pubs all day Paddy's Day and the parade might be cancelled but like I mean you're not doing anybody any good and the point Cheddar made is that you'll be fine you're young and you're fit but your parents might not be fine and your grandparents might not be fine and if you're happy to live with bringing that back into your house because you want to have a good weekend out, uh, you know, on the beer yeah, slobbering. Uh, uh, that's absolutely. on you. That's uh, on you. And that's the point, uh, sort of, William, I'm making that we are a community organisation. We can get that message across brilliantly. Um, and we can go that step further. You know, this, you know, clearly looking at the evidence in other countries, this is going to get worse. Yeah. And it's probably going to get worse quickly. And it's going to be, you know, a serious critical risk to, to a fair cohort of people, you know, pretty close to ourselves here. Um, you know, can the GAs, you know, not weigh it? Why are we waiting for flip? ploppers here who didn't sort out the problem in the first place and, and, and look at this ourselves and work together on this. And for example, in the bigger picture, what's the bigger picture here? There's going to be need for distribution of medicines. There's going to be need for distribution of food. We all know aged people around the rural areas. We know where to live. We can do the survey within our own club areas to find out that. How can we help? I even go in even a stage further. Um, you know, I, I, we all obviously have friends in, on, on the HSC side and we know some of the things that they're looking at at the minute in terms of isolation units and chambers and they're looking at different locations of that. You know, are our clubs' houses suitable for that? You know, this, these are extraordinary times. Yeah. This is not just just something something that's going to pass and it affects everybody. Um, so I, I think we have passed Woolley. You know, you asked the question and you introduced the, 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 this topic um, around can we play behind closed doors. I think we need to look at the really, really big picture first as an organisation and see how can we help. And then we need a plan around our games and a plan on how we can t- contain it within our own team training or what you know whatever activities that we're about. Yeah. I, I don't see it at the minute and I'm disappointed about that. Yeah, just get out of the denial stage, which I was in for a long time, looking at China thinking, ah, this will never happen to us and this will ne-. The reality is you just need to look at Italy and we're a few weeks behind Italy and if yes. you think what 
what happened in Italy won't happen here, well then you're living in a dream world. And you, you, you've got you no couple. Can just though, that the, the initial three county boards have made a you know yes. big decision very there, quickly, and they, yeah. they've taken and they've taken the lead on it. Yeah, and I, I that's where I would uh, agree with Cheddar and that and express his disappointment at the GA of kind of almost pushing it to this afternoon. And fair play, fair play to those county boards and any other ones that are making those decisions independent of the GA. Yeah, and you know they're making that for the vast majority of people at the coalface. You know the people at the clubs, um, and you know you would expect that the GA have to do the same for the inter-county game that has to cease as well and you know it'd be very very disappointing if you see you know county boards at, at a at, you know much smaller level making these decisions and no club games are played and no trains allowed but the county board you know or the county teams are allowed to continue to play and train like that just doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever so um, you you would hope that by the by the end of, of business today that the GA will have followed suit you yeah know? No, you, Brian, and, and again I'd like to come in behind you Brian and I'd applaud those three counties yeah. uh, for the size of leadership on this problem yeah very yes, good um, to change the subject to a subject you won't want to talk about Brian we have to talk about <laughs> Offaly Antrim and Jesus that was some you know kicking the arse for Offaly to play so well and be ahead and look like they're going for a good result and to be hit by two goals in injury time like that like number one that's probably their own fault conceding the goals but there is a talking point after the game was the two minutes extra on top of the six that the referee uh, played now I did. I was reading a couple of tweets since Monday's show, and some people were saying it's good enough, didn't they? They got an All Ireland in '98 for, for, for <laughs> because extra time wasn't played, <laughs> and now they're giving out about more time being played. But the point is, and this is a bugbear of mine, Brian, and we haven't spoken too much of it on the on the Harlan, yeah. on the hurling show, but I covered it extensively on the football show. Is the extra time that referees add on in extra time, and yeah. it's completely disproportionate disproportionate to the extra time they add on in the normal thirty five minutes. So, in the normal thirty five minutes, there might be there might be six minutes added on, but then in yeah. the six minutes there could be two or three minutes added on, almost half that time. Yes. And my point yeah. is that referees are stopping to watch much more in the extra time than they are in normal time, and players aren't sure. What's you know what's the st- the clock being stopped for in the extra time and what it's not being stopped for? Yeah, I, I look and I, I I was on RT on Monday morning actually talking about this and this is far from sour grapes. Trust me. Um, you know, Offaly were very unlucky. They they looked to have done everything right. They'd con- they'd only conceded five points in that second half. Only one from play and Antrim played with the wind. It's a harsh lesson for them to lose and hurl to the final whistle. And for the vast majority of people at the game, they acknowledged that. There probably was a couple. Of, there was a couple of you know stoppages during the additional time that led to the seventy-eight minutes being played. But the issue is, is that the only person in the ground, whether it's in Crow Park or O'Connor Park or wherever, if it's in a club gate ground, the only person that's in the know is the referee. Yeah. And that's not good enough in this day and age, especially when we know in other sports and even here in Ireland with ladies football, we can see that there is a clock that is used, the stop clock, and everyone knows in the ground how long is left and you know what you're playing towards. And I, I just find that really frustrating that the GA have buried their head in the sand in this regard. And it's something that I would love to see them trial. They want they, about trial and loads of things. And this is a real thing that needs to be introduced. The referees come in for huge criticism and this is one where we can actually help them so easily and take that onus off the referees so they can concentrate on the actual the field of play and, 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 and any indiscretions that are happening there and the rules of the game without having to worry about the time. And, you know, at least there's clarity for players, management, f- supporters. And, 
you know, you stop those situations where you almost feel like referees are playing for a draw because that was the sense, you know, after the game today. We saw that in the club football, I learned. We saw it in Dublin, Monaghan in the, in the National Football League where you just feel like the referee, look, he's going to give him one more chance. Do you know? And if you have that hooter or whatever way you, you want to describe it, like in rugby or whatever, um, you know, at least everyone's in the know. There's clarity about it. And and as I said, it's 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 very simple fix for this sort of thing. It seems to be, and it works pretty well in the women's. I don't watch that much of the women's game to know how well it works. Um, it only seems to, you know, the ones you see it are in the big All-Ireland finals, which, you know, you watch. But there is one thing, Cheddar, against the stop clock, and I would be for it, is that you're just after watching an unbelievable All-Ireland, say Kilkenny and Tipperary in a classic, and there's a point in it and the time is about to run up and Tipperary have one more attack and everybody in the whole ground knows that this is their last attack and the buzzer goes off as the puck out. Do you know what I mean? Where you'd love to see but them getting that one I, chance. Can I go across to, that one yeah. for a second? Because to me there's a simple fix in that and it's like what rugby do. It might go beyond the, in the 80 minutes in rugby but it might go beyond the buzzer until, until the ball goes out of play. Right. Yeah, I think that's a simple fix on yeah. that. Yeah. No, Sorry, no. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's That's answer that one Cheddar that that yeah. does seem fair because there would be something kind of unjust about someone shooting for a point to draw an all around final and the buzzer going off yeah yeah. Um, I, I think there's pros and cons for it Willie I think the pros far outweigh the cons um, it works brilliantly in ladies football yeah. and it actually adds to the spectacle and as, as you're coming down the straight um, you know it certainly hypes up everybody there's there's, 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 there's um, you know great buzz around the place because people know where it is and I fully agree with Brian um, the, prob- the problem is not that there's eight minutes the problem is that people don't know and particularly yeah. players yeah. don't know and everybody doesn't know and then everybody's hyped up I think it was quite clear what time was left even if it was ten minutes it, you know that's not the issue uh, the issue is that you know where do I stand what can I do next exactly the one downside I would see it to it is that, you know, if it's quite clear where the finishing line is in terms of the clock, you know, it may introduce a little bit of cynicism towards the end of the game. But look, you, you certainly, I don't want to go back to last That's week. That's happening and, and, anyway. And break and, and the black cards and all of that crap. Um, and thankfully enough of people spoke against that um, but it's funny each other but there's the one point I would make about a yeah. Woolie that you know I, I think if if and Brian's right look it could be looked at and people could trial it and speak to the uh, uh, LGFA referees and you know just see how they feel about it it's certainly I think the pros far outweigh the cons but that's only one that I might see yeah it's it's funny the, the women's game it just stops doesn't it Brian it's just like they're on yeah. the attack yes, and it yes. just stops there's yeah. something a bit heartbreaking about that though isn't there and almost like demoralising for the team there's 20 seconds left and and of a kick out and they almost know yeah. we're not going to even get the ball down the it's field all, at it's, this all, it's almost like the American football where they nearly walk across the field and shake hands you yeah know? before, it, before the, yeah, yeah like if you're if, you, if there's 10 seconds left and you're after getting the ball in your own full back line she might as well drop the ball and shake hands you're gone unless yeah. you, well in hurling you're okay in hurling you're okay I'm thinking yeah, football. But the, the one thing in, I see in ladies football sometimes is that there might be a bit of keep ball towards the end of a game yeah. but you've kind of seen that creeping in football in men's football oh, as you well have, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. team, teams will hold on where that's not really possible in hurling it's very yeah. it's very high risk to have that that keep ball situation yeah. um, and I don't know they just seem to hurl out to the whistle anyway, even if you are getting hammered um, they still seem to, to play it out so um, that would be the only thing but I just think it's something that can be trialled and, and I do think that little fix of, of you know um, until the ball goes out of play I think that's a, a, a nice way of actually trying to counteract that uh, thing you're talking I'd agree, about I'd agree with that Brian and I think the other uh, counter argument Willie you have 60 minutes to go win the match it's not yes. in the last minute. Yeah. You know, people need to accept that as well. Okay, brilliant stuff. And, and I think it would take pressure after referees, Brian. Sorry, oh, I, yeah. I, I meant to come in behind that point. Yeah. Um, 
I think anything that takes pressure after referees without taking away their power to referee the game and I don't think that the timing of the game has anything to do with it I think I think a lot of referees would be delighted if that was actually done Yeah and I suppose the big televised games are the, are the ones that would be, like this wouldn't be done in the club games they would just continue on as normal unless well, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't yeah. I don't see why yeah. you wouldn't Brian I don't know your view on that but I don't see why you wouldn't this is not uh, you know there's no great expense on this this is just simply putting up an electronic clock uh, that people yeah. can see around the stadium and an operator I suppose yeah in yeah. the county grounds in mm. the county grounds yeah, the, yeah. it could yeah. be done it, yeah. but for most big games whether it's club or county semi-finals not, there's a fourth official there anyway so all these big games it's, it's, it's easily done you yeah. know what I mean um, the, the one thing as well in rugby is you never like you know it's stopping at 80 you never know how long the game stopped for you know that 40 minutes that we're talking about in the second half that could have ran for 50 55 minutes you know with all the stoppages in rugby Whereas in, in Hurling, I think the issue is that we're, we're looking at it going, oh, it's six minutes extra time. That's a joke. You know, that kind of end. Mm. I get you. In, yeah, you never you know, know what it, extra has been played. You never know stops, what it is. It's just stopping, it yeah. yeah, the clock stops and you're just, you're playing to the 80, you're playing to the 70 in Hurling and football, obviously. Yeah. So you wouldn't have that issue of, it's a disgrace to play six minutes extra. You they've know, they've a lot more patience, rugby supporters. You'd be watching a scrum there and it collapses and then they'll all set up again and they'll go lock again and then that falls back down and then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, we're, getting them, we're getting them in rooks though in hurling. Yeah, yeah well that's, that's all that's yeah. Definitely... Tr- throw it in again. Yeah, they could yeah. say that about the hurling, right? Uh, Antrim Kerry lads is in Croke Park. That's a nice little touch for Antrim and Kerry, not to rub in the fact that Offaly aren't there, Brian, but one o'clock, it's before the it's before the Dublin and Mead game. Um so again, a nice experience for them, Cheddar, and a nice a nice little reward. Yes, and um, you know we, we, I've said it a number of times in the last couple of years that playing in Crook Park, um, particularly for these counties, you just didn't get a chance. Incredibly, um, I know when I was involved with Leeds, I think Matthew Whelan had been playing with Leeds for maybe 10 years at that stage um, and had given you know, unbelievable service. And I actually don't think he ever played in Crook Park with the exception of getting back there last year. Um, so it is, it, you know, it is a great thing to do. You know, it's, it's our national stadium. Every yeah. Gaelic player and certainly every county player should have the opportunity of playing there at some stage. And I think it is a good, a good big boost. But I, I think there's, it's much more important that, than that, Willie, to be honest with you. Um, you know that that sort of things that you would expect from your players, but Kerry and Antrim, if they're going to build on where they are, um, and going to come into you know a Leinster Championship, um, they're going to be they're probably they're they're you know if you have real ambition about yourself, you know you're going to have to decide I want to get in and play in Croke Park and I want to go in here at the top and that may be a Leinster semi final or something like that or you know whatever it is, um, so so you know you, you you should have that ambition about yourself as a team and they're certainly developing teams it's going to be an interesting game because you know I think Kerry were knocked back a little bit there recently they were missing a couple of there Shane, missing Shane Conway uh, Brian you might correct me if that was in the Offaly game they were missing Shane Conway but they were certainly no, missing it was actually the Kerry Antrim game Sorry, and, and Antrum. Antrum beat them that's yeah. correct Six yes points, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the match um, you know so they're you know they're, I'd expect them that they're back at full strength now and you know, Kerry have improved year on year um, and you know that, that certainly that, that game's going Going down to the wire. Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, uh, the the point, the, the credit I want to give to to Croke Park and to the CCCC or whoever fixture fixtures them or makes the fixtures is that last year I think they had Westmead and Kerry down in Cusack Park in Ennis That's and correct, yeah. on a terrible day. And like we give out about them enough to say that to put that on in Croke Park before the Mead Dublin game, it's it's a very good thing that they've done and it's a very logical thing. And sometimes we give out about them for yes. not being logical and gives the the two way or the two B teams the, the the credit that they deserve. It certainly is, and I have to say, two A. Sorry. Yeah, no two A. But 
and fair play and, and, and very lucky Brendan Cummins was on Sunday League last Sunday night and he highlighted it first and foremost so um, you know whether the CCC were going to do it or not the pressure was certainly on them to, to produce when, when Brendan Cummins came out with that statement on, on Sunday night so again credit where it's due the writing is done here and uh, you know they deserve their opportunity to play in Crow Park and I remember um, you did an interview with Joe Quaid after that league final last year and he was very skating at that and, and as a show we were, we were too you know because the Division 1 final was in Crow Park I know it ended up doubling up with the football final but you know there was nothing stopping a triple header that particular day as well because you know all the football finals tend to be in Crow Park so um, you know I think it's only right that they, they get their opportunity so fair play on that one Yeah exactly so this this, this, this this final talking point has been a bugbear of mine anyway so I want to hear because Don Logue Cusick has thrown another kind of side of it and maybe it's him I should be arguing with or it depends and see who what you think of this um, it's like I've been complaining I think, about I think you'll know the answer to this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've been complaining about this National League lads I've been complaining for the fact that managers don't seem upset after the game there is a lack of intensity in a lot of the games um, there's nothing seems to be at stake there's no relegation issues for most of the for any of the big teams um, you know and it's just lacking something and it's the it's it's the second biggest competition and it runs for two months and you'd like to see more at stake now Donalow Cusack last week on League Sunday he was asked about that and he said is that not what the league should be it's your secondary competition. Look at it from a playing point of view. The skills are no less. The players are enjoying it. They're expressing themselves. It does suit the management. You can blood players. You can get, uh, you can get ready for the championship. Who are the other key stakeholders? The media. They don't seem to be talking any less about the game. If you judge by the amount of podcasts that are out there talking about it. The crowds, he said, um, I don't know the exact numbers, but I don't think they're down. The interest is still there. That's another view of a cheddar. Um, it would be complete opposite of my view on it. Like, I mean, the way I look at it with Don Locusek, and that's okay, this is only new. If this league continues like this in five years' time, will we, you know, will people start getting bored of not... Top-level sports, mm. something has to be at stake. Yeah. Or, or else it's the Walsh Cup. I, I think for this year, Don Locusek is probably right in, in some of the things he says. But it's still a slow bicycle race. Yeah, it's turned into a slow bicycle race in comparison to what it was for the last couple of years, and there's no argument about that. I think you know. I think if Don Logue was asked, "Is this flat to the math for every team in all of these games um, in comparison to the way it was for the last couple of years?" I think he'd have to be honest and say, "No, it's not." And you know, I think his answer more or less says that that you know, if it's a secondary competition where you know uh, managers, blood players, and so on, and so on. I think the big argument was with the top teams was well, we didn't have a chance to blood players in the last couple of years because it was flat to the mat. So Gone from one extreme I, I, to I the think other. Let's just be honest and call it for what it is. It is a slow bicycle race at the minute, um, and you know. People need to be wary. Uh, you know, is that going to, um, you know, charge up, uh, uh, you know, people's interest in in the games and so on, and so on. You probably will. You'll always have diehards like myself who go to two or three matches a week, and you know whether it was whether they were playing backs and forwards, they'd still probably go to it. Um, but clearly, it's not to the same level. And it brings it back to the question, Willie: Why was the decision made in the first place? And how come four or five of the top counties could force this uh, based purely on the fact that we are we're asked to be super competitive here in the league, and now it's detrimental to our championship ambitions a little bit later on in the year? Pure and simple. Let's not hide around that fact because they actually said it, um, and it was hugely detrimental, of course, to Westmead this year. For example, um, so uh, um, I, I think 
again, look at the bigger picture here and don't look at, you know, maybe you were asked, uh, uh, you know, a straight question and you simply answered the question. Uh, but look, look at the bigger picture here in terms of the, the development of the game. And if it is a secondary competition, it's not a secondary competition to develop the game in the top five, six, seven, eight counties. It should be a competition to develop the game maybe in the, in the next six counties and with a view to maybe having a 12 or 14 or whatever we decided to be a championship from, from, from here on in. But, you know, let's not hide behind that it that is this is what it is and certainly if you look at I mean if you look at some of the matches last Sunday the, you know there were no consequences uh, Waterford knew they were in an All-Ireland quarter yeah. or in a league quarter they made a load of changes and that's fine you know if I was a manager of Waterford I'd love that because you have an opportunity of looking at some players and all of that but the bigger, bigger picture here is was it competitive to the extent that you know it mattered well, yeah. clearly, clearly, it didn't. Yeah. Now, look, you could still have that situation in even the, the previous years. You could still have that situation, but it was certainly an awful lot more competi- competitive, and games really had a consequence. Yeah, but you look at it. Waterford Limerick was more of a reflection of the five games before, before that, or the four games before that. The one that actually did count for something was Galway Tipbrine, and that was a clearly much better game with something riding on it, and you could clearly see the difference in a game that had something riding on it and something that is a game that didn't have something riding on it. Oh, 100%. And look, being honest, I was extremely disappointed when I heard Don Lowe come out with that. Um, look, is, I he know cheerle- is he cheerleading to the point there where he can't even see what's very obvious to people? We see, yeah, look, I, I don't know. We, we, we come at it from a different base, I think, on this show. Um, we probably see the bigger picture because we come from counties that are not the traditional... Um, powerhouses of the game and, and we see the importance of trying to grow the game in every county I honestly and I've said this a lot of times the analogy I keep using is they are climbing the ladder and pulling it up after them that's my issue with it of course it suits the bigger teams where they get to experiment and have the players do you think Leash and Carlo and Westmead got to experiment they did in their eye you know like they were flat to the mat in every single game and probably were still shipping big beatings the previ- we've said this time and time again, the previous league worked really well. Um, 1A and 1B, and, and the 1B had a, a, almost a mini league within it, and we would have had a fantastic league there between between uh, Leash, Westmead and, and Carlo, I think, there. Um, you know, fan- fantastic the way it was. Um, and and I, I agree with you. I think there has to be something on the line. I don't care what level of sport it is. Um, yeah. You know, and it's not just hurling here. You know, there has to be something riding on this. And... and it it is disappointing to to hear comments like that from such a big person in the game, you know, and, and it's 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 a very narrow view, I think, on on where the game is and how we can continue to grow the game in every county. It is, and like even a, a comment like the skills are no less, the players are enjoying it, they're expressing themselves. Sure, that could apply to a puck around in the park. <laughs> like I mean, this is this is the it, national yeah, but hurling league. Yeah, yeah, sorry to come across there as well. Like my issue on that is there was no counter argument on that. That was don't look yeah. to finish that whole conversation um, on RTE. And, and it was a very, you know, very one-way view on that. And, and that really frustrated me that he got to sit there and say that. And, you know, a lot of people can take that as, as gospel almost. You yeah. know, so I, I was really frustrated hearing that. In fairness, there are time restrictions to give Joanne, yeah. you know, her dues that she wouldn't be shy about pulling pe- people up yes. and things. But yes. like it is difficult on shows like that to potentially take something on if you're, if you're, if it's, if you're wrapping up. No, I'd agree. I agree. I, I might let you come in there, Brian, on that. Um, really what Don Logan's saying is, look, Westmead, you'll be cannon fodder in this. 
and it'll be somebody else next year and somebody else because it'll be never be us that's going to go down to 2A ever again yep. that's what they're really yeah. saying here so yeah. you know we can do what we want to do here and as Brian um, has captured it perfectly we can pull up the fickle ladder behind us here and the hell with the rest of you we'll chuck you around the place as cannon fodder here just to keep this thing going yeah okay pulling the ladder up after yourselves in a slow bicycle race they're, they're the two <laughs> takeaways I'll, I'll take from this National, <laughs> National League alright we'll come back and we'll look at some of the games Yeah, we, I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So, um, with a couple of filly donkeys, uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to, uh, I think like four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the five all donkeys so there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. donkey. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches, never. And so, um, yeah, you can actually. One time, one time the the donkey was useless, right? But now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your, would say, your bonuses, your grants. A donkey, a donkey in Eden, a donkey in Eden Palace. All right, lads, the quarterfinal that we want to start off with is Wexford and Galway. This is in Wexford Park. Arguably, it's hard to actually pick which is the bigger of the two games because the two of them are very big games in their own right. Um, uh, three uh, Leinster teams, only one uh, Munster team. I don't know what we say about that because the two Munster teams are waiting in the semi-final, lads. Um, so we'll start off with Wexford-Galway anyways. And like, I mean, Brian, I don't know how impressed you were with Galway. We were talking about it here on Monday, myself and Damien. But... There was a very clear, obvious game plan. Two-man full forward line, lovely diagonal balls, get it in early. Well, obviously in the second half when they had the wind. And because there's no Johnny Glynn, there's no Joe Cooney, this is the way Shane O'Neill now has seen the players he has available to him. And this is what he's come on. And we saw a bit of a pattern to their play. We did. And look, we actually spoke about this two weeks ago and, and seen would they actually target these home games. And, and that's exactly what they did. And, you know, they brought a lot of their... Um, players back into the fold over the last couple of weeks mightn't have played all the game um, but you know they've seen game time now over the last couple of games and as you said a pattern of play has started to emerge um, and and you know it's it's an, a very enticing one from a Galway perspective they, look we know the players and, and loads of them when you see Brian Kilcannon though really I, I know he's been there the last couple of years but he's really starting to put his hand up now um, Conor Whelan coming back into that real imperious form as well and you know they can be a force to be reckoned with if they can get everyone on the field. Um, you know, so Shane O'Neill would be quite happy now the way that league has worked out. I, I know the fixture being changed, the Galway Tip one ended up being two home games in a row. That really suited them, um, and they will be happy now having drawn Wexford down there as well because it is a dry run from Shane O'Neill's perspective. I know the players might be used to it, but from Shane O'Neill and his management backroom's perspective, it's a dry run for for the way it's set up in the championship as yeah. well. Yeah, Davy was at the game, Cheddar. So, like, I mean, the one criticism here I had of Tipperary on Monday was how the hell did they look at the two lads inside destroying them for that long? And Paddy Marr was trying his best to get back, but he was playing an orthodox centre-back position. We know Davey's not going to look at that. He's had fair warning. And there's going, it's going to be a three-on-two situation for the two lads in there. 
Um, that's what's going to be really interesting about this, I think. Um, I think the other interesting thing was that, you know, Galway didn't play with that third person. Um, you know, oftentimes they played with maybe four along along the half-hour line. From what I could see, it was not the game. Um, so that's going, that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I think, you know, looking at the mix of their forwards, they seem to have got a good mix, but they're definitely going to play, you know, it's, it's going to be, um, you know, pick the past type play yeah. rather than just lump it in and work off a, work off a target man and that. Um, and they have, but they have, um, you know, I think Brian Cannon has proved himself to be, you know, a tough individual as well. You know, he certainly uh, will fight for ball and, and uh, Connor Whelan, you know, my God, what a work rate and what bravery and toughness. I think, you know, I think Brian, maybe you spoke on this last year or somebody spoke on this last year about his strength, his just natural strength and, and his ability to be able to, you know, take tackles, give tackles, ride tackles and so on and so on. Um, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting as well that, you know, how will that work? Um, you know, so if that's, a, if that's a diagonal ball, they're going to have to clear a sweeper. So now does does Lynn and uh, maybe Concanon play a little bit wider? You know, where does that ball go to? Um, because you need to be very precise and you need to very be very clever about you know the lines that you bring the ball up. You know, do you bring it up along the the left uh, sideline? You're going to have to bring it a little bit further now to pop the ball over the sweeper because that person's going just going to be stepping back to mop that up. Um, and the other side of that is if. Wexford win the ball in the full back line they have an outlet now to carry the ball out of it and that you need so you're the person that you're playing out in the half hour line or somebody in that half hour line needs to be really really quick to jump on on the uh, the you know the sweeper coming coming out of the ball because Wexford are not going to let that ball go they're not going to belt it up the field here yeah. um, so you know Galway are going to have to up I suppose the, the, the basic plan of what they're doing uh, but equally you know Wexford are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with that as well and you know bear in mind the two of them are going to meet in an entry championship it is, a, it is a little bit of a dry run here um, and so I, I think and you know I think Shane you know could do with um, the extra games and you know Wexford's team is pretty well set the way they play is pretty well set of course they're going to do some little different things just to throw the opposition after the tail and that but you know you could probably predict reasonably what their team is going to be like and how they're going to play it and how they're going to play not so with Galway um, and I think Shane probably need, maybe needs and you know the winning brings momentum we spoke about that a number of times on it as well um, so I think extra games will be helpful to Galway and you know clearly the, the, the bit between their teeth they went they set out to there was a sense of purpose about him last weekend about going winning that match. It's just hard to judge it, Wally, because um, you know, I'd say Tip had one foot on the plane. I don't know. Did somebody, fact, yeah. Tell yeah. Me, did somebody tell me they were heading for a week in Spain for training? They and went that, on the know. Monday. And I, on I Monday, was saying yeah. actually to Damien on Monday that last weekend was supposed to be the quarterfinal weekend. So they were actually going flying out. They, did they have yeah. any intention of being in the quarterfinal then? Do you know, well, or well, uh, were they uh, going to go for a week before a semi-final like Limerick? Uh, they were, yes, uh, they were. I mean, they were planning th- on doing that. These things are planned months in advance, yeah. Willie, obviously. Um, or yeah. maybe Liam Sheedy was like, lads, if we don't make a quarterfinal, it's not the end of the world. We have that week, you know, away or whatever. Like, and Tip looked like a team right throughout the league that didn't give two hoots whether they made anything. They, they, they may have, will you, but they, they weren't beaten by a whole lot in a lot of games. You know, they were, they were very, very close in a lot of games. So they could have very well ended up in the quarterfinal. Um, but I just make that point. They're a very, very experienced team with a number of All-Irelands now under their belt. Um, I don't think you can sort of switch on and switch off. But if any team could do it at the minute, 
they can do it because of that level of experience. Uh, but it is a little bit risky, but they have a very, very experienced management and a very clued in management and a, a team, I suppose a management that the team have great confidence in at the minute. Um, so I have no doubt that Tip can turn that around and, and go again. Yeah, they weren't a clued in management with that two man full forward line for the whole of the second half. Of, of oh, well, 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 William, they, they may not have need, you know, don't. don't yeah, there don't could have been an element of they're actually just letting it ride. Correct. You yeah, know, yes, and, and, and seeing and seeing how they managed it on the field without actually contracting it so th- there's a lot of chess going on at the moment and yeah. I agree with mm. what Cheddar's saying there definitely you know a lot of these results do come with a little asterisk beside it yeah. you know? come here Brian just on the point Cheddar made and he said where the diagonal ball is coming from you might need to work it up a bit further and I think that's a great point and it's something I'm always saying if there's hang time on the diagonal ball it's not a when I say diagonal ball I mean a good diagonal ball. You can, yeah. uh, like if if there's hang time on a diagonal ball from a right half back off down into the far corner forward, that's not a diagonal ball. When you say a diagonal ball, you mean it in a complementary way, not a, not like yeah. in the literal yeah, way. Yeah. A diagonal ball is a is a, a low trajectory uh, pass that a sweep it it goes so fast and over a, a shorter distance that a sweeper can't get across. To get the break, yep. to get the break of it, it's in the fall, as Damien says, the seventy thirty ball. Seventy thirty, yeah. Can Cannon, can, can Cannon, all of a sudden now look like he was able to win his own ball when that wouldn't be what he'd known for? It was because of the quality of ball, and that's something like throwing out diagonal ball all the time. I think it's misleading into what Limerick do brilliant diagonal balls. Yeah, you know, do, do, you, do you get me? Kind of actually yeah, just yep. throwing diagonal ball out for the sake of it because it goes across the field. I don't like that. I think the bit no look I fully agree with the point you're making and, and, and there's probably no need to elaborate on that but the, the, the thing for me for Galway that struck me in that second half was that as a group of players and particularly the forwards they put their hand up to say you know we can do this and probably we can do this without Joe Hanning if needs most as well because that is one stick that I have done it myself that Galway have been beaten with over the last you know, while anytime Joe's not available, they have looked, you know, rather toothless up front. Um, you know, and as I thought, as a, as a collective, they really put their hand up in that second half. Um, and I thought they scored a couple of a great goals, a couple of great finishes. And I heard a lot of people being, um, you know, given out about Brian Hogan in the goal. I actually thought, particularly Cotton Mannion's finish, I thought that was a brilliant finish. And any time I've been coaching, I've been trying to coach forwards to do that. Hit the near post. Keepers expected to go to go across them they're almost gone they take that step yeah. almost instinctively to go across and, and there are certainly opportunities to hit it at the near post and I think Cottle Mannion did that absolutely perfectly last Sunday and just the wood glide across the ground because Evan Island threw him out the hand pass and it looked like he might have been covered but Manning just put the put the afterburners on and without even looking like he was sprinting just tore away from the couple of Tipperary defenders um, so I think yeah as a as a unit that Galway forward line put their hand up and the other thing I've noticed in the last couple of games is they are certainly attacking with more intent in terms of trying to get goals mm. if they get the ball inside that 40 metre zone um, they're not taking the handy tap over points they seem to be putting the head down and actually trying to work goals Yeah It's an interesting that he's had to devise a system around having smaller less ball winning forwards Shedder. like it's not but Shane O'Neill's had a difficult job but we're not saying they're the finished article mm. they just looked very good in the second half and and you could see a pattern to their play that suited their forwards and all the things that would seem obvious to us talking on the show here seem to be kind of coming to the coming to the fore um, y- y- yes but uh, again 
you know, I'd urge a little bit of caution about that, uh, Willie. You know, it was it a serious test? You yeah, know, yeah, cer- true. Certainly, Wexford would be a serious test here. Um, look, you, you devise your game plan around the players, not the other way around. And look, this is what he has. Uh, you know, I, I, I think what Brian's alluding to there is in that way of playing. Where does Joe fit in if he's a forward? Um, that will be, in, you know, that will be interesting, you know, because he certainly has to be fit in somewhere. Um, so, look, that that's going to be an interesting one. Um, I, I would just again maybe urge another little bit of caution that you know Galway have had a number of these type of players over the last twenty, thirty years. You know, superb, quick stickmen, and yeah. for some reason or other, just the whole. Uh, you know, a part just didn't click for them, and having won all Ireland's, you know, they, they've had they've had this, and they've shown this a number of times before. Um, and I throw one other little thing: they had their own problems in their own full back line as well early on, you know. So they're certainly not the finished article by a good bit, and we're judging that playing a Tipperary team that you know weren't really full on for the game anyway. Yeah. I thought. Well, yeah, you're wondering. I suppose the one question about Galway, while we're calling it a, a bit of a compliment um, at the start. If they start coming under pressure, who's their ball winning uh, forwards then? Like, you know, um, Brian, like, I mean, who mm. could they, if Skehel wanted to stick a, a bomb or two, like, usually you want a few ball winning puck out catchers in your half forward line. They don't seem to have them, them obviously, um, now. Yeah, well, look, Joe Canning obviously is as good in the air as anyone. Cotton Mannion on his day. Um, you know, Jason Flynn's been playing half forward as well there at the moment you know you have Niall Burke didn't start the other day so like they have yeah. big men um, do you know so, so Man- Whelan's Man- obviously maybe Mannion using, his, Mannion using his pace not to land yeah, it on top of him but he, to put it in front of him I suppose yeah exactly and he's brilliant to catch the ball out in front of him Look, he's so tall as well um, you know and, and his pace and moving on to the ball so yeah there's all terms around it and the yeah, like there comes a time where that just have simply to win their own ball and it's about getting numbers. You know, you actually mentioned that their full back line had their problems and they certainly did. It's just interesting to see Adrian Tuti over the over the league has been playing out the field, out yeah. around midfield. And we know that he played I know he, he, he was probably a makeshift, but he played a corner back when they won the All Ireland, you know. So it, it it is interesting to know that they have maybe pushing some of their players backwards to try and shore up in, in the full back line. I know um Grode McInerney is playing full back in the moment. It'll be interesting to see what they'll do with Dotty Burke when he Returns, yeah. um, so again, they've loads of options. Um, you know, Sean Loftus has been there or thereabouts over the last number of years. So um, it's just about nailing down, uh, you know, a spot. They've played Park Mannion on the half back line. We know he used to play in the full back line. So you know, as I said, Galway have options in abundance, but it's about getting, I suppose, all those players fitting into a unit and, and trying to actually work together. Yeah, yeah, but the half-back line looks settled. Mannion with Cooney, Burke, although Cooney went off injured. Damien reckons Morrissey, the cornerback, is a very good player. Um, so it looks like he, he could be getting back in. It is starting to take a bit of shape. Wexford are, have got a good few injury issues. Lee Chin, hamstring. Connor MacDonald has an Achilles issue. Rory O'Connor, hamstring. Paul Morris hamstring so he Davy says the four players mentioned haven't persi- participated in full training Brian's laughing already <laughs> now well to be fair Rory O'Connor was taken off against Carlo after 41 minutes Connor McDonald came off that day as well and Lee Chin didn't play at all so there might be I, I, I know exactly why you're laughing but like I mean we know that Wexford Davy doesn't hide from this kind of stuff there's no shadow boxing with Davy Davy wants to win the league and he'd love to set fire to Galway coming down you know so there, there's no doubt of what Wexford are going to bring to this whether they have their full team out or not Cheddar I don't know if you're as cynical as Brian um, I know I, th- I think some of them are clearly injured 
um, and have been for a while. It's not just it's not just for this game, um, but I do expect them all to be coming back now. They're probably all in rehab programs and so on. I think I think some of them have played some hurling already. I've got some game time on them, um, and you know clearly David would want to be getting them um, you know together now because look, there's only whatever it is eight or ten weeks left of the championship. If it does go ahead, let's just take everything's going to go ahead here for the moment, um, and even though. Look, they have their style well refined. Um, I think you'll see some little additions in that from Davy and some more creativity within their team. Not a huge change in their setup, but you sort of need all of the players training and that to actually do that as well. Incidentally, Willie, you spoke up about the um, Galway half back line, and I, I'd, I'd be a small little bit concerned about that. I think Shane Coney and Fintan Burke are two big players. Um, and look, Wexford could be the team to test them because, you know, Wexford are going to drag you around the field a lot, yeah. and their half hour lane are going to be well out the field at different times and then you could have a wing back scooting up the field past you um, and suddenly you're completely out of position I think of those six backs um, they obviously need to start out the full back line after last Sunday but even if they did they started to depend a little bit on, on you know being tight at the back and being cohesive at the back and of course when you're playing Wexford that's in the, the, the exact opposite happened because you're dragged around the field by different players and you know what do you do do you hold your formation back there um, or do you go man to man or what do you do or do you mark space or do you mark goal zonal mark and or what do you do and it's an interesting argument or an interesting discussion because certainly for up to maybe about a year or two ago everybody would have said keep your wing backs back protect your corner back but I think the quality of hurling has gone to such a level now that I, I'm not so sure that you can do that anymore because people are able to ping accurately now 40, 50, 60 metres so you holding the people a wing back back in front of your half back line may it's very not going well, you may be in no man's yeah. land like the war zones you may be in no man's land so you're, you're doing nothing here um, and I think the idea n- now when you look at big strong players as backs I'm not so sure you will see two and four and I think Kilkenny are trying to do this at the minute they're certainly looking at two and four being very very mobile because they've been caught out a couple of times with you know fantastic corner backs but not quick enough to be able to play a bigger area in front of them. Um, and, you know, traditionally you would have said, and, you know, when you look back at the All-Ireland where Callan and even look back at last year where, where Pat Horgan got out to the side and that diagonal ball, that, that real precision diagonal ball that you were talking about, which is difficult to mark on the outside of the forward. Like, if you don't have really um, adaptable, flexible players that are very, very quick and very, very quick to get out of that ball first and then go front foot and actually start the attack, you know, you're now dependent on keeping your wing backs back. But, you know, that I'm not so sure that that's going to be an option anymore the way the game is played. And just, the, I suppose, the dynamic running of different players around the field. Um, and I think hurling is going to change a lot over the next couple of years than what we have known it. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Brian, that you leave your half-back line in position and that's to cover your full-back line. But your Wexford don't be launching them in anyway. So now you might be a spare part and Wexford will just send their two corner backs that have ended up you know, being mm. spare, they'll send them up into the fray. So now you've got, you know, players marking a full forward line that it's not going to come to and Wexford have extra men out the field who'd have no problem tapping it around to. Yeah, and Wexford are unique that way. They do pose a completely different um, problem than, than most other teams because the, the majority of other teams, while they might hold on to possession on that, they do still play along the lines of an orthodox type of game. You know, Wexford have it down to a fine art. You know, and and Paddy Foley's, uh, you know, he, and and I suppose Matthew Hanlon when he's playing half back line, as you said, they're breaking up the field. It's absolutely killing, killing them. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, their sweeper is not necessarily your seventh defender either. You know, they're getting up there. The cornerbacks are getting up, so it's very, very hard 
to counteract that. I've watched Limerick, you know, so closely. Obviously, they're the team to watch. They tend to leave their half back line in place. Yeah, in situ, they do. And even their full back line as well. They they seem to be steadfast in that. Now the onus obviously there is on their half forward line midfield, drop deep, even sometimes leaving a two man full forward line, but and it, everyone yeah. filters out. But Brian, field. I suppose I suppose if Limerick are playing a Tipperary who are trying to get into their full forward line all the time because that's their strongest line, yeah. that makes sense. It all depends, yes, I suppose, who you're playing yeah, against. That, but that's why I think Wexford. Are so, I said that at the outset. Wexford are so unique in this perspective. Yeah. I don't think any any team out there at the moment is as probably far down the road um, of, of, of evolution of their game in terms of um, you know that spare man around that middle third as Wexford are and their ability to hold on to ball their ability to get different shooters in play and that you've said it yourself and you said it to Davey those defenders running from deep very like football you know, yeah, he didn't admit that, did he? He didn't. Uh... He didn't really, but I think because you were you, you were you were putting it out there for them. I think. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Shane O'Neill said after the game uh, the last day, he said it goes back to what we've been we've been looking for for the last couple of weeks, just to have an unreal work rate, and I think the work rate was there again. And if ever that rung, rings through, it's against Wexford because you're tracking lads that don't have the ball, and that's the hardest thing for forwards especially to do because your instinct if someone has the ball yeah. is to run after them if he doesn't have the ball your instinct is not to, always to run after them um, and I'm sure in hurling where these tactics are new enough it's even it's even less so Yeah um, look the work rate um, I think we've heard that since Adam was a chap yeah. um, but Galway aren't that's known, clearly given Gal- um, Galway aren't known for that hassling and harrying and tracking in groups like say Kilkenny are, are they? They were, no they were known and their club hurling is really built around that um, but the uh, senior Woolley. the inter-county team but I think the crucial thing there is the quickness in transition from you being an offensive player to you being a defensive player and and you know that we're talking about actually tracking and that's when you're on the ball and off the ball um, I think is where it really really is and, and of course if, if your players are dynamic they're moving up and down the field you're not really you know you may not be marking somebody but you, you know you better be able to cover that person and, you know there's huge movement and mobility around, around the opposition team how do you track them down because you're able to ping the ball I mean Brian's on the show here no better man that can pick the you know, he can pick a pass 40, 50, 60 metres easily. You simply cannot leave, you know, players off like that. So you may you may very well be attacking yourself and, and the ball is turned over. Now you're in a defensive mode. Mentally, how quick are you to get into that mode? And who are you going to close down here? It may not be your own man. Um, so that, that quickness in transition from being an offensive team, attacking team, to being a defensive team, and you're going to do that three or four hundred times in the match I think that's where the real coaching and that's where the real game planning is Yeah, no it definitely is Who do we fancy in this one then lads just to finish it up Cheddar I'll start with you I think look the games in Wexford Park um, I think it is important to Wexford um, on the assumption that they have players back and that those players back are you know good to go um, I, I, I'd like to, to see a little bit more evidence about Galway I just don't judge last Sunday to, to a great yeah. extent I thought they were put under pressure by a team that proved in the second half not to be really up for the fight um, and if that was the case I'd be a little bit concerned about that um, and I, you know I think you know Wexford are in their own park or in their own support, support um, and I think you you know, Davy will see this. You know, let's get one over Galway. This has served Davy well. And incidentally, 
Woolley. He's been a vilified person by enough people. So let's compliment him here because Brian used a very, very good word, you, the evolution of hurling. Nobody has done it better or done it more than Davy. And, and, you know, fair play to Davy, and I certainly will compliment you on that. Yeah. But one other thing has served him well. Um, I think he's beat Kenny five times out of six now. I, I, I can't remember the, the statistic. But that's important to him in terms of self-confidence and self-belief in Wexford against a team that traditionally, you know, would have been a challenger to them. And surely Galway are serious challengers for Leinster and for All-Ireland. And what better way of just, you know, keeping them down than to beat him again next Sunday? So I'm just going to give Wexford a hesitant vote. But, you know, it's qualified a little bit by that to have their proper team in the field. Right, Brian, what do you think? Oh, exact same. Have to agree. Um, every single point on that. Um, you, I, I'd go at Wexford too, you know, considering, you know, that they have all those best players available to them. They mightn't see out the game. I think that's one thing that Davy has clearly worked on over the last couple of years is trying to um, strengthen his panel in terms of having a 20-man team um, and players come on and they're very, you know, they're not letting the tempo drop, you know, that kind of way and, and very used to the system that they play. And I think he's certainly a long way down the road to achieving that. And I think that's what makes uh, Wexford so dangerous at the moment. Um David didn't like it when I said it last year, but I, 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 he's a terrific competitor and he wants to win every single game, and particularly at home. And I think he'll go for this um, ball-headed. Uh, um, Gal will still have a li- little bit to learn um, as as a collective under Shane O'Neill. So it is a big, big, big test for them down there, and that's why I said I think they're very happy to go down there and actually learn from this. So yeah, I'd be the same as Cheddar. I'd definitely pick Wexford in this one. All right. Okay, I I don't know who to pick, so I'm just not going to pick anybody here. So we'll uh, we'll come. And will you just throw in one other point? You know, in hindsight, Wexford must be you know absolutely kicking themselves that had a great chance of winning an All Ireland, absolutely kicking themselves. And you know, if that hunger is still there, and they can get all of those parts together, and this is nothing to do with Davy, this is intrinsic within Wexford players themselves. You 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 know, they won an All Ireland in '96. Um, and you know they haven't even though they're a huge hurling county with a huge support uh, but they haven't won a huge amount of all Ireland's considering the, the, the heritage that they have um, and you know so this is not going to happen for them every year although I spoke here last week you know Wexford 365 will guarantee uh, the, it's a development plan of Wexford will guarantee that they're going to be at the top of three here for a long number of years to come but they haven't and if they can maintain that hunger and, and just I suppose use that to drive themselves on we were close but look close does nothing for you. Uh, we've got to go in and do it all again. If they have that hunger and they decide next um, Sunday that, look, let's make a mark on this game because these boys are, you know, we're going to be taking on these boys in, in, in the summer again. You know, let's keep them keep them down here, which I think is what Davy has really said to him in comparison to, you know, when they're dealing with Kilkenny. Um, and I think that's that might be a point that might tell for Wexford as well, that type of hunger. Okay, great stuff. We'll come back and we'll talk about Kilkenny and Waterford. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I'll tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans.
All right, Kilkenny Waterford, Brian, you're in doing co-com for RT on this one. Like, I mean, this is a local derby. The big news is that the Ballyhill Shamrocks lads, TJ, Joey Holden, I think he was on the bench. Colin Fenley are all going to be back. Um, I think Joey was on the bench for the last one. Um, Kilkenny at full strength, amazingly, um, outside of Adrian Mullen. Yeah, and it, it, it's a fixer that both teams love. You know, there's a great rivalry down there. A real healthy kind of respect between the two of them, even though they're obviously on the border. I suppose they don't come across each other that often, but uh, they love to play against each other, whether it's in Wilds Park or in Nolan Park. Um, and I think both teams would be really looking forward to that. You know, particularly those Ballyhill players, I suppose that's why they'll be mad to get back in. And um, they, They're obviously geographically close enough to Waterford, so... Um, they'll be mad to get involved but Waterford under under um, under Cal now under Liam Cal they'll be you know really up for this type of fight uh, you know he made changes last week um, in terms of his giving a, probably a run to some of his, his panel to see how they would deal with the All-Ireland um, champion or All-Ireland or league winner sorry uh, Limerick the team to beat really um, and he was very honest in his uh, probably his um analysis of the game afterwards and literally just said that Limerick were just a step ahead of them and you know while they only won by a few points it was it was almost a you know a comprehensive win it was yeah. um, and, and the, I suppose the big thing from that is that they probably learned a huge amount from the way that Limerick play so um, you know it's interesting times for Liam Cal. he certainly set out his stall um, he's not in, in terms of like he's he's not afraid of names, you know. Players have to earn their right to get a jersey. So there's no one coming into that Waterford setup. What no matter what they've done in the past, they have to earn that right to get a jersey, and then that will come through hard work. I think first and foremost. And I know it. I know it's a given. And Cheddar kind of said that earlier, and and you know hunger and all that sort of thing. But you know you have to still get it out of players. And I think Liam Cal's a, a long way down the path. Um, of actually achieving that and I think he's he, he has set his stall out early in that and we're starting to see that in players and, and that that's a lot easier said than done I, I, I looked at Waterford against Limerick Cheddar and you know the way you watch Galloway and you can see how, what they're trying to do and like I'm not a hurling analyst but you can you can see a pattern in their play you look at Limerick and you can tell after watching two games what they because yeah. you can see them practising what their game plan is and phase of play you look at Wexford might take you a bit longer to figure out what they're trying to do but then you can see yeah look that's I look at Waterford and I don't see any pattern of play. I don't. I see. I see huge endeavour. I see lads trying hard, but I don't see a defined game plan. I see Jamie Barron taking off on a solo run. You see, you know, Prendergast mm-hmm. taking off on a solo run. You see whoever gets on the ball. Uh, you know, P- Montgomery going off on a solo run. Whoever, whoever's there. Uh, but you don't see what the actual plan is, or am I missing something there? I know they didn't have a full team out against what against Limerick, mm. but what are they working towards? If you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with that, um, Oli. Here I, we go. I'm retiring I, now. I, That's I, it. I haven't seen enough of them. <laughs> I haven't seen, really seen enough of them, I suppose. Um, but um, as uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Liam, um, you know, maybe decided to take this in steps. Um, you know, to get the work rate, as, yeah. as Brian was saying, and that real, real level of effort and that cohesion in effort, you know, working for one another and covering for one another and so on and so on. Maybe just to take it in small bites. Let's get this thing right first. Um, and, you know, you, you don't know his, his uh, thinking behind these things, you know, because he left a few players off the team that, you know, he, he has made some statements 
um, about that, that, you know, he had a clear vision of, of the type of team he wanted. And, you know, in saying that, he's also saying that the players he left off were left off for that reason, I'm, I'm presuming. Um, you know, so it may very well be that, you know, he's just maybe step one along the, the way he wants Waterford to play. But I, I think he needs to find that pretty, pretty quickly yeah. because you know you're, you, you only get you ever get one you're, you only get your first chance to impress here, and he's going to go into a Munster championship. And if you don't have some idea the way you play in in the modern game, I don't want to call it a modern game because it's just a game. If you don't have some method of play, it's difficult to see how you're going to take down the likes of Limerick, Tipperary, uh, Cork, and Clare. You know it is a dogfight. It's a it's a bear pit down there in Munster as it is in Leinster. I I I'll say. You know, we've said this number over the last number of years that really looking forward to the championship. It is going to be neck and neck, doggy dog here. And, you know, it is going to be that in both provinces. Uh, but we're just talking about Waterford at the minute. And I, I think, um, you know, all of the things that um, that Liam has said, is, you know, he's talking about Sunday, that's a do or die game um, and a good test of where we are at. There, all of these utterances so far have been very much around that, the effort um, and that, well, you know, without a huge amount of, you know, the, the set up and the way they play and the method they play and the way they transfer a ball and all of that. Um, so I think he's going to have to give some time to that soon to get a, a method of play that suits his players and that suits Waterford and, uh, and that. And I think the crucial part of that for him is there's certainly a lot of very, very good players. He has a really, really good panel available to him here. But just getting the right type of scoring threat and the right type of scoring forwards in place. Um, and like a lot of these players, you know, Curran and, and, and some of these have been tried before. But it's going to be interesting to see the likes of, say, Desi Hutchinson and, and some of those players. He had a few more new ones again, as, as you said, Woolley, last weekend. But have the ability to be able to ste- step up in white heated championship and, you know, influence the game seriously for your team that's going to be the question and probably I think this Sunday is really, really important to him for that, um, you know, because clearly Brian has expressed it well. A huge amount of South Kilkenny people work in Waterford and, you know, there, there, there is a great uh, healthy rivalry there because they're in different provinces they don't meet that often. So that that rivalry is not, maybe it's not bitter, it's healthy, I would call it. Um, and, you know, the game's in Nolan Park. It is going to be a great test, but I think it's going to be a test really, you know, you just take it for granted that at inter-county level where Waterford is, that the level of effort and fight and all of those things are just, it's just going to be top notch you know if it isn't there's something seriously wrong um, and and it's the next it's the creativity within the team and how you play and all of that that I think would be interesting and there's no better team to test that than Kilkenny and you know you know we've said it's number four they're, they're tackling their ferocious um, fight to win possession and to win back possession and all of that will test an awful lot of things to do with your team and I think um, you know it is going to be a very very interesting game there's no doubt and you know t- taking as you said that Kilkenny have some players coming back that are you know serious heavy hitters here and if they are back and if they're right um, it's going to be a f- I think it's going to be a fantastic game Yeah I think it'll be a tough day at the office for Waterford what uh, well, you- Sorry Willie one other thing you've got to bear in mind Waterford were in a league final last year we sort of forget that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they, they underperformed when it came to the championship after that. But uh, no team gets to a league final without serious credentials. And, uh, you know, they have it. And, and uh, it's a matter of getting the right, the right parts to the jigsaw right. And, of course, getting that um, motivation and all of those things right. But they have some serious players. They, ha- they have some serious players. But here's the thing, Brian. 
Do they have a full forward line that's going to put fear into the opposition? Patrick Curran, unfortunately, a great underage player, but probably consistently hasn't done it. Desi Hutchinson hasn't had an unbelievable um, an unbelievable league. He's He's been injured the last game, but I think he will be a summertime player. Stephen Bennett... Like he looks like he's their marquee forward now. He scored three from play against Cork, two two against Limerick, one against Galway, and he got one one against Tip. That's not Shamey Callanan kind of. You know, I know it's not unfair yeah. to compare him to Shamey Callanan, but you get me. Your 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 heavy hitter in the full forward line wants to be racking up a bit more than that. So who are their ball winning half forwards? Like, do they have any big physical players in the half forward line? They all seem to be small little fellas. I don't know. I think Waterford are in bother for personnel because when he played Austin Gleeson he played him centre back Kevin Moran's in the back line you know you think that the two of them would be two good ball winning half forwards I, I see them in a league quarter final and I don't know you just don't don't see where they're going at all uh, look, I suppose a little Am I bit being overly harsh here? Yeah, look, I think a little bit of balance on that is probably needed, being honest. You know, you have to give them credit. They, they won a couple of really tight games against Cork and Galway at home. Um, they, they were down to 13 men. Okay, it was 13 against 14 against Tipperary. They put in a hugely brave performance that day. And, and you know, they, they ran Tipperary close. You know, Limerick, okay. Hurling-wise, they beat them probably comprehensively, but still there was only four points in it. So that shows the endeavour that's there at the moment. I think the two things that stand out for me with Waterford at the moment is that Cal has done. Number one is that work rate. And as I said, leave he's not afraid to leave big names off. And he's 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 forcing them to hit the wind road. Here's the if you want to go the easy path, well you're not for me. But if you want to roll up your sleeves and work your arse off and do whatever it takes and you know, well then come on board so he's not afraid to make those decisions and that's tough you know um, that's a, that, that's very very brave in his perspective but he, he's willing to do that the other thing I've seen that stands out um, is that they're clearly trying to work goals as well if they get a ball they're putting their head down and they're absolutely going ball headed for that goal it's not always working out sometimes that does come down to the quality of the player that you're talking about you know the, those real marquee forwards but I can definitely see a clear pattern there that they're putting their head down and trying to go for goals. And and they're seeing the importance of trying to, to get goals because they have not worked those opportunities over the last couple of years. Um, so that is important. But you're right. It's hard to see how, when you pair it all back and you look for like with like, um, how they actually stack up against maybe the top inter-county teams here yeah. at the moment um, and results have shown that over the last couple of years you know and that opens up a completely different argument they have not won a game in Munster since it's been changed around you know so it's a big big year for them in terms of that Munster championship and, and you know they, they have to get a win out of somewhere um, and I suppose I, I hate like look it sounds like we're always agreeing with each other but I think Cheddar hit it in, in, in nail on the head it looks like Liam Cal has set out his overall plan with Watford in steps you know first and foremost is that honesty of effort and and within that then when he has you know got that and got real honest players on the field that he can bring in his you know his game plan or evolve that game plan as, as he goes forward um, OK right Brian we'll let you go there and uh, thanks very much No worries lads thanks a million talk soon um, Cheddar but like I mean at the same time do you can you not get instill honesty of effort into a team as well as something else do you know what I mean why does it have to be one or the other 
Um, or why do you need to go in phases? No, it, it's a that, long year. No, that is that is interesting. And even the fact, uh, Willie, I mean, there's another discussion around, um, you know, players that don't have honesty of effort. Uh, can you get insider heads to change them rather than just discarding them? Um, you know, so there's, there's, there's a lots of discussions around that. Um, you know, either one could work. Um, you know, there's no guarantee in either of them. And but you would probably say that the really, really great motivational managers can get inside people's heads and you know, you know, get them to change their behaviours to to play in a different way or to do the things that is going to improve them as players and that. And at the end of the day, that you're a manager, that's what you're there for to improve uh, players and to improve your team to go away and win something. Um, but I don't want to miss the point either that sometimes you do need to make statements here. Um, and you know, clearly Liam. You know, I think he actually said that that you know, you know, this is was was based on on the previous years. I think was was one of his comments. Uh, so clearly, he either knew something or his management team knew something within the fabric of the team that needed to be changed, that needed sort of surgical uh, work on it. And he has certainly done that. Um, and uh, you know, so but I suppose the results of all of that will really be in the performance, particularly in the Munster Championship, and that. Um, I I I just. I suppose I, I just would worry a little bit about that, Willie, about that whole forward division. And um, first of all, the incisiveness of of their players, you know, in the in the real top games. Um, I think they've got working forwards and that, but you need a little bit more now in Munster at the minute. You know, look at look at the level that you're, you're taking on. You're taking on the All Ireland champions, the league champions. And as the lads, lads said about Cork, there most rooms that could come any year, they can do anything. Yeah. Um, I know Clare under Brian will be difficult to, to beat as well. Um, so it's not that you have a chance here to to find things out. He, he and and you know, Waterford public will be unforgiving for Liam Cattle if if they go the same way. They won a league last year and didn't didn't perform in their first match, and then just couldn't grab the, as well as the motivation within the team to really drive and go and go at this again. And or they were and, in a league final, you mean? And that, sorry, in a league final. And that yeah. could happen, uh, you know, quite easily again. Um, and, you know, like th- this is not a Waterford team that's just after coming out of minor under 21. They're absolutely at the peak of their power. If it doesn't happen for them now, you'd be a little bit concerned about that. And I just go back to that point. Um, I, I suppose if you had a TJ or, some, or, or a Pat Horgan in that team, that's a very, very efficient and a very, very effective forward, even one. Yeah. Uh, you know, a Park Mahan is fantastic on, on freeze and all of that, but he's just not that player that you would need to double team, for example. Um, and I think if they had that, and I don't see it in as a minute, I mean, a lot of the players have been tried around that before, and, and clearly Liam is trying for some new players at the minute. And I think that's why Woolley the system of play is so important because you cannot rely on two or three players the likes of John McGrath with very little possession that can come away with you know three or four points a match or one three a match which he regularly does out of very little possession um, in terms of efficiencies and shot efficiency and creativity and all of those things that are on a completely different level um, so a method of play for Tipperary isn't as important as I see it for, for Watford. Yeah. And that's why I didn't sort of, I suppose, um, elucidate on the point, Bully, about when you mentioned the point originally about the way Watford play. It is crucial to them. And look, would Limerick have won in All-Ireland or even got near it without the method that they they implied for that and have implied since? Um, 
and you know so it is I think it's crucial for Waterford if they got that right and I would think that you know I think that's all Liam is going to be looking at Michael Beavens Michael Beavens is a very very good coach and you can bear in mind where Mike, where Liam and Michael have come from they, they, you know, they've coached minor and under 21 for tip but generally speaking minor and under 21 they're a very very different game it's exactly that it's based nearly 15 and 15 you don't play a huge amount of tactical hurling because they're just at that, that not at that maturity level and you know if you see all Ireland minors you're very very rarely going to see now you may see this in the future and you know maybe in the last couple of years but certainly over a long number of years it's very much 15 versus 15 um, and you know you win your position and, and, and that it, it's a very very different game um, so I, I think that's the real challenge for Liam and for Michael here is is looking at the um, the method to play to suit their team but I think they need to find it very very quickly Yeah no exactly just to be fair to Liam Cal a bit um, Jake Dillon is on is back uh, Kieran Bennett has been out he's back Desi Hutchinson's back for this weekend Dara Fives Austin Gleeson Kevin Moran yeah. so this weekend we could see um, him with the team that he has yes. in mind for the championship yes. and we might see something you know yes. about what they're working on because no, it is difficult when you're, you have a patchwork team and we know that Waterford don't have the squad that other teams have so they're you know, they're six, seven, eight outside their ter- starting fifteen. Wouldn't be as good as the Tip or the Limericks, for example. Um, I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, Ozzy and and some of those players are they're they're just top drawer players. Yeah, but they it's need to beef up their forward line, like that, they that, do. They that, need that, to play. That, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the issue I'm sort of looking for. And and look, you, you may very well you know make a really really good scoring forward out of a player like that. Um, but Kevin Moran is also a fantastic half back. Um, but even just looking at that, I mean, you know, how they used Ozzy um, um, in previous times in terms of coming from deep and running through to the defence, you know, you need to see something like that. They need to bring something different to their game here to use yeah. their strength when you don't have um, that real type of incisive, effective, efficient forward that I've s- said a minute ago. Yeah, exactly. Liam Cal has said we'll be going with real purpose next weekend. So there's a statement that, you know, this is it pretty much. The shadow boxing's over. We'll be going with real purpose. And that's against Kilkenny so we'll definitely see what Waterford are really made of um, uh, this weekend I presume you're going for Kilkenny it's the, the smart money's there anyways that's right. I know I think so yeah. I'm so not afraid to put my neck on the line here no, I said Nolan Park as well <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Brian won't allow anybody into Nolan Park and go away with a win um, and I think um, I've seen some of the Kilkenny games um, Woolly and I thought they played very well in parts of that uh, you know even with um, no, not full teams as such although I'm not too sure there's ever such a thing as not a full like any team um, but I thought they played some very some good hurling they're definitely changing their use of the ball um, is a little bit different um, and um, I, I think you know Brian obviously will want to win it and get another game because I think he just needs to get um, two things he needs to integrate the TJs and the Collins and this into the team and get everybody else playing around him and playing sort of to the one level but he also needs to integrate maybe one or two new players that he's, he's sort of looking at at the minute and of course there's no better way to, of doing that than playing really testing matches testing these players do they have the ability on the big day to be able to deliver the performance and uh, you know I think he's going to be you know Brian Brian won't be saying that he won't be vocal about that um, in terms of the way um, I think Liam has said it that he's, 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 this is do or die you probably won't hear Brian saying that but mark my words that dressing room will be no different it will be do or die Brilliant stuff Cheddar thanks very much we'll be back on Monday that's if the games go ahead we'll, we'll um, keep updated as the day goes on and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll be back Monday if the games go ahead. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. 
And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.